at bar mitzvah, I was on the edge of, do I even want to do this? I don't know that I believe in God. Before they were dying, it looked like their faces would do this. Oh man, that's pretty deep and pretty wild. Fifty to Fifty is a podcast documenting Michael Ivan Schwartz's journey to turning fifty. Each week, he will attempt to do something he's never done before over the fifty weeks leading up to his birthday on December twentieth, two thousand nineteen, on his personal quest to expand, experiment, and embrace. I'm your host, Derek Vaughn Brown, and I'm here to antagonize Michael Ivan while holding him accountable to his goal. Well, it, it's a good thing you didn't lose Gracie in the woods because then you wouldn't be able to blame your farts on her. True. Have you been back in the woods again since then? You know, last week's adventure, as, as uh, over the top as it was for just the simple hike in the woods, I am still going out there with Gracie and I found that she does really well off-leash on the trail right behind the house. Now, I will point out I quickly put her on leash when a person or another dog comes by. But because of that test run in Patapsco State Park, Gracie and I are uh, becoming regular hikers. Right, girl? Her ears just popped up. I love it. She does look very excited. Tails wagging. She looks like she could uh, do some serious hiking, too. She's pretty jacked. She's so good. I mean, even that Patapsco thing, she was tired by the end, but she, she would have gone for another hour, I think. She, she would have ran home and, and called the police for us if we got lost. Yeah, but she would only have, like, happiness to say. And she doesn't use any English words, so... We're in trouble. Yeah. She has that... Stare. Go get help, girl! <laughs> yeah. She'd just probably lick our pants. Michael's in trouble? Michael fell down the well? Lassie! <laughs> Lead She's... the way, girl! My roommate, God bless her soul, Elizabeth, decided to put a pink bandana around Gracie, so now she kind of looks like she's a, a hun. She's got the whole black and white look, 1950s style. She's fitting right in here in Hamden. So fly. The pink really, uh, it brings the flamingo out of you. Aww. So this week's first seems pretty interesting, and it touches on spirituality. Now, no, you have an interesting history with spirituality. You were, you're born in a Jewish family. Yeah. Um, and much to your mother's unhappiness, you were a Christian, like a real Christian, like argue with people Christian. It's very true, uh, everything you've just said. I'm no longer that. Uh, so the brief history is this. Yes, born and raised, culturally Jewish. We were uh, reform. My best friend's dad was our rabbi. I kind of grew up with a mentality that God was a big like psychiatrist in the sky, just uh, someone who could help you think through things. And there's a lot of logic and sensitivity to the world around you and progressive liberal leanings, not even knowing that's what I grew up in. That's just what I did. And by the time I was a teenager and like bar, bar mitzvah came around and I got bar mitzvah, I was on the edge of, do I even want to do this? I don't know that I believe in God. I don't know that I walked around with an atheist sign, but I certainly would lean towards saying I didn't really believe in anything. And come college, I think my openness to philosophy and spiritual things kept me 
asking a lot of questions. I was actually a minor in philosophy at the University of Delaware, and I would have majored in it if I thought you could get a job, you know, stand-up philosopher. But instead, you know, I was a business major and just had a lot of curious thoughts about who are we, why do we live, what's the point of life, is there something bigger than us, and, and usually came up with the answer no, but I met someone who was a faithful Christian, who had gotten serious about being Christian in her teen years, it was a girl I liked, uh, and I want to qualify, this wasn't a, I decided to become a Christian for a girl, but it was the introduction of why I was open to it, I think, it was seeing her, meeting her, thinking she was really cool, having this kind of cool connection with her beyond just being attracted to her, that led me to ask a lot of questions in the context of meeting these Christian people, you know, people who were 20-something and going to church, which I thought was silly. It was like, churches for old people, religions yeah. for little kids and before you die. That experience in college, you know, very short order here, led me to being a Christian. I believed in Jesus. I thought my life's purpose was to give glory to God, to be in a relationship with Him. And the only way to do that was through the sacrifice his son made, because I was a sinner. I was born a sinner. I needed to be fixed. I needed uh, healing and connection again to my Father in heaven. And, you know, some of the stuff I'm saying, I think, resonates with a lot of Boy, people. you could be a preacher. I got involved right after college with the Christian organization. Again, to the chagrin of my parents, I had to raise my own support. So for about 20 years, I went to church. I believed in God. I thought, Jesus is my savior and should be the savior of everyone and uh, took it pretty seriously. I had not just the first job in the nonprofit sector, then I started a magazine that was aimed towards Christians, moved to Nashville, wow. Tennessee, continued working for this Christian publishing company. To be honest, I think my time in Baltimore for the past 13 years definitely became the time where I moved further and further away from that to the point now that I don't believe at all. Uh, and I would say a lot of it stems from way back in my mid-20s when my mom passed away when I was about 27. That was probably the beginning of the end and it took still another decade and a half to process that and get me to the place where I am today, which, you know, I haven't really believed in anything for 10 years, you know, that's, it's, you sound an like an journey. alcoholic, uh, somebody an alcoholic anonymous. I've been uh, <laughs> I've got my chip. I haven't believed anything in uh, ten years. In this spiritual journey, you're definitely the scully to my Mulder. She's the skeptic. She's a scientist. Super fierce. Very professional. Mulder's more dreamy. Uh, he he wants to believe. You know. Yes. So you did have a conversation with your mother at some point in the past, and you guys talked about faith. I mean, it was a source of tension, and uh, I think we got to a place where there was an acceptance and her not loving my belief system uh, in terms of believing in Christianity and believing in Jesus. Anyone that's grown up Jewish knows that's like the worst thing to communicate to your family is that you believe in Jesus. I mean, that really was a, a huge stumbling block in our relationship. We had a peaceful moment in reconciling our differences years ago before she passed and that was a good thing. Uh, I do regret, though, that she wasn't able to, to see who I am now and how I'm a better person through the journey. I'm glad that I went through it. I wish it hadn't taken so long for me to get to where I am now. But I appreciate that I don't stop asking questions, that I'm not going to just settle in and say, oh, I believe this, and now even if something comes up and contradicts it, fuck it, I still got to believe it. You know, and I had enough contradictions that began, I think, more heavily when my mom passed. 
think she was proud of me in general as a human being, but I think she'd be prouder. <laughs> I, I'm prouder of who I am now. Well, I'm sure she will be. And of course, having experienced uh, multiple you know, stages of faith, uh, I'm not surprised that you would be interested in doing something like tarot card reading. Hey, Alexis, can you tell us about tarot cards? From its origins in 14th century Europe, the earliest tarot card decks were beautiful, hand-painted works of art used for playing games. Many different versions of the tarot deck existed based on which region of Europe one was located. It wasn't until the 18th century that new versions of the tarot decks became divination tools, whilst also remaining a popular game in the mainstream. I wonder if Michael Ivan got some tips for his future, or thought it was just fun and games. So was it all fun and games? It wasn't. Uh, it was pretty serious. There were some fun parts within it, and there's certainly some things I wasn't 100% on board with, but there was some stuff that was dead on. Is this something you believe in? I don't not believe in it. I'll put it that way. Growing up, my dad actually had a set of tarot cards, and I remember him doing readings for my sisters. And I think it was very parlor game-ish. But my interest right now is, I'm curious. Yeah, I got to listen to it, and I'll tell you, uh, she had you dead quiet at certain times. And you know when you're quiet, you're thinking about something seriously. So it seemed like it was, you know, at least from the outside, like it was a pretty valuable experience. Who did your reading? So this woman named Lynette. She lives here in Baltimore. And a friend of mine recommended her. She seemed legit, and uh, she had a really interesting backstory. How do you say this? Old school? Bruja. Bruja. Mm-hmm. What's that mean? Witch in Spanish. Oh, okay. I'm an old school witch. Lynette. I learned from my parents. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, wow. I'm Puerto Rican and Moroccan. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Well, I started seeing spirit actively, like, physical manifestations at four. Mm. My mother ran a senior citizen's home for 25 years until she died. Mm. And I grew up in the senior citizen's home. So I would see before they were dying, it looked like their faces would do this. Oh, man. And it was so horrific because I was little. So I would hide behind my mother and be like, Mom, this person's face is falling off. And she didn't understand. But, like, within three days, they would pass. So... At home, every night, my mother, she would have to come in the room and pray over me because I would talk to spirits, see spirits. Mm. At one point, I learned how to levitate myself off the bed, and she would come and push me down, and she'd be like, don't do that, you're going to scare your brother, because he was sleeping yeah. in the bed next to me. Um, by the time I was seven, I would read fire with matches. I always had an affinity for fire. Mm. I would read water. Then I started reading mirrors. Um playing cards, all for my friends. I started Ouija board magic at 11. Mm. Um, I did candle magic, all of the baths, herbal stuff, floor washes, all kinds of spells and spirit work. By the time I was 16, I knew how to do it all. So where do you start? I imagine it's like the awkwardness of the beginning of a square dance. How do you begin being read? Yeah, so I show up at her house. She does it from her place. She also has an online radio show, and you know, I think she's... Uh, pretty comfortable making you feel comfortable because she's been doing this for a long time. And we sat down and she kind of went over the rules. Right. So the way I do my readings. Yes. uh, You can ask three questions. Okay. They can be about whatever you like. Okay. Spirit usually keeps going on and on and on. 
And sometimes you might not even have to ask a question after the first one. Okay. So we'll see what spirit says. Okay. Um, just open your heart and mind to whatever comes through. All right. No judgments on whatever questions. In terms of questions, is it more specific the better, or is it more broader? Like I'm more you can thinking ask, broader. And... You can ask. The reason I do specific is because we could be here all day. Sure, sure. So you can ask like some people like, "What about my money?" Or you could be like, "Okay, I would like to buy this house." Gotcha. Okay. okay. Totally up to you. Say your full name for me. Michael Ivan Schwartz. This reading is for Michael Ivan Schwartz. We ask for clear guidance. Come close. Speak clearly. So I knew going in, I was supposed to come up with three questions and be ready. So my friend told me that. And uh, we went right ahead and tackled my topics. And she gave me a bonus one. So we went up, uh, the first and fourth question were somewhat similar. Sort of business related again, but mm -hmm. it's about starting something new that I've been wrestling with quite a bit. Do you have a name for that business? <laughs> all ears. Show me the outcome for all ears. Do not doubt yourself. It's time for you to move forward with this. Divine Order, Two of Cups, is the Cosmic Affinity card. It means it's time for you to do it. The idea came to you, but that wasn't your idea. They gave it to you, okay? The Six of Swords shows pushing forward with a new project. This one here is the New Beginning card, shedding of the past, letting go, and trudging forward. As I was shuffling the cards, the first thing that came up is the Justice card, which means it's time for you to adjust your priorities and clean house. Your lack of trust in self in succeeding in this project is what will lead to the demise of the project. They're saying, believe in yourself. We are backing it. Okay? The Four of Wands validates what I just said. I just should look here. Um, saying that you're going to be successful in this. You're going to enjoy this. It's going to bring you a new adventure. The Knight of Cups in reverse says... Be mindful of who you partner with. There's a male energy. Remember the cycle we talked about earlier, that this happens mm. in your business? Mm. There's another one. Mm. They're saying here, ask spirit before bringing people into your business ideas. Ask spirit, is this person a good idea? Just show me, show me what I need to see about this person before I work with them. And you see how quickly spirit will show you. Mm. The king of swords is you here. <laughs> <laughs> and this one here so the king of swords is one who is ordered who wants things a certain way but operates with compassion and empathy but very clear in what you want the outcome to be just know that other people's stuff who you work with is who you need to be mindful of mm. but it's going to be successful Is this something that makes you nervous? Turning 50 and starting potentially a, a new venture in the next few years, is this something that, that scares you? Should this scare you? That might be a better question. Should it scare me? It doesn't scare me at all. In fact, it, it excites me. I feel like I've been coasting quite a bit with the video production, and I'm not. The new venture doesn't eliminate the old. I think there's a chance for me to continue doing what I've been doing, maybe clear house, as she said 
and focus a bit more and get back to the things I really love within the video production side of things. Maybe eliminate some of the stuff that's distracting and pulling me away. And then adding something new that might fit well with it or even take on its own role and I do lose the video. I'd be open to that. For most of my adult life, I changed careers and jobs and physical locations pretty often. I would say more often than most of my peers. But I kind of settled in for the last 16 years. I think it was 2002, 2003 when I officially started my own video production company. Moved here in 2003 from Delaware to Baltimore. Within that structure, it's changed quite a bit. I still pretty much do the same thing in terms of I do video production for nonprofits. That's what I started doing, that's what I still do. But who I've done that for, how long I've done that with different clients, what types of uh, videos I've done, from everything from a TV show about lacrosse, worked on a golf TV show that was someone else's project and I just was a camera operator and editor, to now doing things with Johns Hopkins Children's Center. I do a lot of work at Georgetown University. I continue to bump into cool nonprofits that are doing social justice in the world and I get to travel sometimes and those are some of my favorite projects. But lately in the questions I asked her were more about what's going on right now, what needs to change, and what in a new venture that you and I have talked about, is that the direction I should go, is this something I should continue to pursue? So she had some interesting things to say about both of those. I'm ready for something new. I mean, I think this whole 50 to 50, obviously, I'm trying to do something new every week, and that's part of a lifestyle thing for me, and not just because I'm turning 50. But I think this turning point in turning 50 is also injecting a new sense of, all right, what's the next portion of my life going to look like, and how much of that do I want to take over and pursue intentionally versus something just happening to me and causing me to make a change. And so that's different for me. A lot of the other changes in my life have been external and I have to react and I feel like I'm ready to be proactive in making a change. And I've been talking about this for a while. I've been thinking about a new business venture for many years and it's been a lot of different ideas. So what, what comes next, I'm looking forward to seeing what it's going to be. Well, that's exciting. And it's, uh, it's also very inspiring. Looking back on the responses that you've got, you've had some time to uh, think about it. You think that it was accurate? The, the reading. reading. The, the tarot card reading had many points where I was, wow, that's dead on. And uh, some of those specifics I won't get into because they're personal, but some I this can... This is not a personal podcast. We're not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me uh, think of how to say that more accurately. I don't... I want to be vulnerable and... I think the second question that I brought up was one that really hit me hard. But the question is, my dad had a stroke a couple weeks ago. Um, he's up in Philly along with my siblings. Um, so just trying to figure out my role in all of this. Is mom still here? No, she passed. Because, okay, that validates. So before you arrived, a woman came in. And the woman who came in, I was like, maybe it's a mother, maybe it's a grandmother or an auntie, but mm. it's an elder. When she came in, she came in and I immediately had anxiety. Mm. And I said, that's a worry. So I told her, hold on to it because I can't walk around with your anxiety. So now she's validating, so thank you. Mm. 
he's very scared. Hmm. From the stroke, is he having issues with mobility? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because he's very frustrated, but he's very scared. The woman who's by his side, I believe this is your sister. She needs tons of support. She's very, very heavy right now, but almost like she's not sleeping well and she's definitely not eating well. Okay. Okay, life is changing as we know it, okay? So this is where all the fear is coming in, but lots of confusion. Dad is going to be here for a long while, okay? There's no like instant death here, no. But his life is changing, and everyone around him is now going to have to change. This is a message from spirit to him which says they needed him to slow down. They want him to rest for the, from this moment on until it's time for him to transition. The source of his stroke is from a shattered heart manifesting into a physical ailment. He's going to find harmony again. It's a whole different harmony. And this is going to be with his children and there's grandbabies, because there's littles, and then there's not so littles. But everyone is kind of like, we're going to come together. All differences aside, because now is the time for forgiveness. Does this all make sense? Mm -hmm. She had uh, quite, quite a lot to say, very specific things. Um, regarding uh, your father's broken heart, yeah. Or a spiritual connection that he needed to have had in, in transitioning to a new stage in his life. And uh, the, the stroke as, a, as a, a reflection or a guidance from some greater power that's ultimately trying to empower him. That's pretty deep and pretty wild. Is that like, is this, does this resonate with you? There is a lot that she said that hit me hard. And then there's some things that you mentioned that I think my dad might hear it and agree or disagree. I can't answer for him. There's certainly things that made sense to me. Uh, he's been heartbroken since my mom passed over 20 years ago. But when she started, she mentioned my sister, said there's a woman taking care of him, your sister. She is stretched way too thin. She's carrying a heavy load. I mean, that is beyond accurate. I mean, that is the thing I was really asking about is what's my role in helping because right now my sister is taking on a huge role of living in the house where he lives when he comes back out. She was there because she needs hip surgery and she's was going to use him as a helper and now all of a sudden uh, the tables have turned. She's doing a lot to help the family uh, come up with the next steps for my dad. I kind of teared up and it was pretty uh, heavy experience having someone share information with you that they couldn't possibly know. And the skepticism part of me was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should be more open. 
But I think more important, this is an opportunity for me and my relationship with my dad and with my siblings to come together. It's a huge opportunity for change in our family and we can embrace it and do something good with it or you know, it could divide us or cause some tension and it was encouraging to hear this is a good opportunity to uh, do something positive. I wasn't as prepared of a host today as I could have been, and I didn't make it through the entire tape, so honestly, I didn't even know that there was a third question, but apparently uh, it was about your relationships, which is, uh, which is one of our themes here on 50 to 50. How's it going in uh, the, the spiritual prospects? I'm glad you didn't listen, because that means <laughs> I can steer this conversation to where I want. My therapist is now going, Michael, be vulnerable. Okay, okay. Yeah, be vulnerable. So I started with a question that was more generic. I literally just said, relationships, and she said, good, go from there. Someone came in this way and said, he's looking in the wrong place. Mm. So <laughs> we have to expand where you are seeking your partnerships. So Seven of Cups in reverse comes in and said, following your heart and clearing your heart in a nutshell, will allow you to realize the goal of a healthy, happy relationship. Okay, so this is like, they're giving you a clear summary. They want me to put it there for whatever reason. So the Two of Swords comes in. This one shows uncertainty within self, questioning self. Like, is it me? What am I doing wrong? Why can't I do this? What's going on with this? I asked for this, not getting it. That's in a conflict. They're saying that's wasting your energy. So they're, work, they're talking about self-confidence here. Um, the magician comes in and says, in the past, you have been given, given, sorry, you have been giving and receiving energy of a non-commitment, okay? But that's because of protective energy because you weren't really sure about the other person either. Page of Coins says, it is time now for you to develop a new, clear understanding of self and literally writing down what it is you want in your partner from the hair to the toes to how they make their coffee to how they cook their food. Be very, very detailed as you start practicing the law of attraction. It's a whole new approach to intimacy. It's love magic. But it's not malicious in any way. <laughs> and in that, in those affirmations, in developing a new approach, you're going to find renewed courage. Any questions about that? Um. So Lynette is drawing cards Correct. and setting them down onto the table so that both of you can see them. Yes. And then she's interpreting the order of those cards and the position that she places them in. She yes, uses so terms she... like reverse. Yeah, um, so there would be upside down, I think, or reverse. So if the card comes looking like a normal card facing you versus it being upside down, she was placing them kind of in threes. So it would be like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Then she would kind of move them up. And she would kind of go in order left to right, like you're reading a book and saying, oh, the seven swords and the king of cups. And, you know, and she would, 
I had asked her at one point to explain what the cards, not just say what was happening, but oh, that card is this thing, and this is what this thing means, and here's how I'm applying it to you. Overall experience, was it good? Was it bad? Would you do it again? Yes, I would definitely do it again. Yes, good experience. Yes, worth it. You know, I paid for this. This is something, you know, I spent some money on. And I would recommend her as well. I think, uh, yeah, this is not paid advertisement. This is just me saying I liked her spirit, her energy. I liked the experience. I really was grateful that I was able to record it, not just for the podcast, but now I'm able to listen to it a couple times and kind of make my own notes. And uh, at the end, she gave me uh, a chant to do before I leave the house, to chant three times, to kind of open myself up to finding good things in the world, in particular, love and relationships that was what that was geared towards and i will try it i mean I'm, I'm open to things i think that's hopefully something i've communicated on this podcast and to the world to my friends to my family despite having made decisions along the way that show that i'm concluded on some things for at least the time being i will continue to reevaluate and i think something like having your cards read which from childhood days seem like fun and games and a goofy thing and parlor trick uh, to a place now and turning nearly 50 that I'm pretty open to spiritual endeavors and wondering how the world works and knowing probably ultimately I will never know. I find that very comforting actually. In all of this complexity, in this huge universe, trying to be certain of anything except for your own smallness or ignorance is uh it seems frustrating i think you should check it out i think tiffany should try it tiffany and her 40 to 40 i wonder if tiffany's ever had her uh tarot cards read i'm gonna throw it out to her as an option i hear she's in philly my hometown yeah so philly. when she gets back we're gonna throw that her way and you're supposed to be setting something up for us right uh-huh setting up a dungeon full of traps i'm a huge DD nerd dungeons and dragons it's become more popular now, but uh, I've been playing for like 17 years. You know, it's like, it actually kind of makes me a little bitter that everyone loves it so much now. But it does provide me an opportunity to bring the people that I love into it because they see it on Stranger Things. And they're like, all right, well, it doesn't seem that bad. Maybe I'll give it a shot. And now, like, the pictures are really pretty and, like, the books are easier to read. So it's like, we're going to sit down. We're going to pretend to be someone else in a different space. And there are no consequences. You uh, do whatever you want, uh, and you get to really pour your imagination into something. It's awesome. Next time on 50 to 50. Probably not next time. In the future. But we'll record it, and we'll play clips of the game. Because it'll be interesting. All I know is I'm going to have a story to tell next week. And I'm excited to hear it. You have been listening to 50 to 50. Check out our website, 50to50.com, for photos, videos, and the opportunity to give us feedback or suggest an activity for Michael Ivan's quest to expand, experiment, and embrace as he turns 50.